It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My yeah. name is TM, <laughs> trademark. My, <laughs> my name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Scott. How are you? I am outstanding. Yeah? Yeah. What makes you outstanding today? Uh, I just get to work with some of the best people on the face of the planet. And today we have a podcast with one of my favorite priests on the face of the planet. 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 Uh, Father Christian Rab. Hey, I've, Father. Hi, Father Christian. OSB. How you doing, guys? Great. I, out, wonderful. Outstanding. outstanding. Good to see you both. Did you, uh, did you hear about the excellent farmer? Father, no. he was outstanding in his field. That's that's <laughs> wow. Sorry, good night, everybody. Uh, Thank you. I like that. I, I wish I could re- remember jokes better because that's one I would retell. You should put that in your book. Yeah, I'll try to do that. Yeah, um, uh, it'll be on the it'll well, be on the title. Off. It'll be on the copy on the table of contents. Just have this weird joke sitting there. Or one of those blob, like little blurbs about, you know. Can we? Can, anyway, let's say instead this of blurbs on the back of my book, down. I'll just have um, jokes. Yeah, dad jokes. Dad jokes. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's do the the two minute drill. How about that? Let's do it. It's uh, the fourth Sunday of Easter what that we're that we're celebrating uh, that we're here for. Um, our first reading comes from Acts chapter two. I mean, we're really getting after it. Last week was fun, right? It was the coming out party. It was Peter really taking hold of things and mm-hmm. the apostles started to get after it. And so in this week, like it even continues because last week it was, hey, guys, we got to do this. And now they're doing it because we're going to baptize some people. So Peter leads uh, in this first reading, Peter leads the 11. He stands there in front of the people. He tells them, listen, like we're here and and Christ has delivered himself to or for us and he was crucified but now you all must repent and be baptized and and he invited the people to do it and they baptized 3000 people that day and that's pretty good father do you think you've baptized 3000 people total ever no no i baptized like a dozen people yeah well you're no peter i don't know I, i'm not even, ever told. i'm not even i'm in the bottom 5% of priests in terms of that going in terms of that not overall though right <laughs> uh just in terms of how many kids i've baptized got uh, it in other categories i excel <laughs> <laughs> it's about the total score all right yeah. <laughs> the response of psalm the lord is my shepherd there is nothing i shall want uh i don't I was thinking this is a banger because like, yeah, of course, you know, but like, I don't know if I can remember it. Like I can't, I don't have it in the my- Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I shall want. That's the tune you sing every week. For the- 
I think it is as famous a psalm as there is out there. I think there it's a well recognized one. Mm-hmm. I just can't I can't hear it in my head as like sung as a banger. Or oh, oh sorry, Alleluia. Alleluia or Alleluia. Oh. Uh the second reading is uh also from it's the first letter of Peter. Chapter two, twenty uh B. Which I think is always funny when they split a verse. But anyway. That one's for boys. <laughs> 25. Um, and Peter here is telling the people, like, if you're patient, then God will provide you with grace. He will give you the grace to follow in the footsteps of Christ. And what does that mean to follow in his footsteps? To walk like, right behind him. And it's, yes, but in the same way that he walked. And that's not easy because he starts off with he committed no sin. And no deceit was found in his mouth. So I'm out. And then after that, <laughs> he talks about how he, when he was insulted, he did not return insult. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Instead, he handed himself over. Um, and yeah, he, so in a very frank way, Peter lays out maybe the hardest thing that we can do in our lives, but also tells us that the grace of God waits for us on the other side. I think that's pretty great. Yeah. Um, and he knows that we will stray like sheep, but that we have a shepherd who will be the guardian for us. And then our gospel reading, our gospel comes from chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. Jesus said, Amen, Amen, I say to you, whoever does not enter a sheepfold through the gate, but climbs over elsewhere is a thief and a robber. But whoever enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. As the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out, when he was driven when he has driven out all his own, he walks ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice, but they will not follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they do not recognize the voice of the strangers. Although Jesus used this figure of speech, the Pharisees did not realize what he was trying to tell them. So Jesus said again, amen, amen. I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. I came so that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Woo. Thank you. Uh, Father Christian, did Jeff get anything incorrect? Well, about halfway through the first paragraph of the gospel, there was the word has, and he used the word was. That's what hmm. that's the content people come here for, and I appreciate it. I'm always disappointed when I hear no, you got everything Let's right. Let the record show. Yes. It should have been was. Uh so a lot of a lot of pastors might be a little sheepish about um preaching on this gospel. What are, what are you gonna preach about? <laughs> Wait, this is how you deliver this joke, Father. This weekend you say, <laughs> Did you hear about the lonely shepherd? <laughs> Oh, he was outstanding so in his field. <laughs> the oh, excellent shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was outstanding. outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think there's something there. Let that's, us know how it goes. That's yeah, a pretty good joke. Um <laughs> it was better when you talked about the what was it? The farmer. Yeah. The excellent, the excellent farmer. farmer. Outstanding in his field. That was better than the lonely shepherd is a joke. You could say excellent shepherd. I'm trying yeah, to give you some context. That's here. good. That's good. I like that. But you said lonely shepherd, and that wouldn't be know. as funny of a joke. But uh, uh excellent shepherd. Cool. Yeah, I can go You're for still that. Just one. telling me all the things I did wrong. Got it. I know. Hey, 
every week I listen to this podcast. I know you every do. week they say, Hey, did he get anything wrong? And and I'm like, this guy, he's always gets it right. I just gotta help him, you know, bring him down a notch today. So yes. you know, I look for one of those things. I'm always convinced. <laughs> thank you. I'm always convinced when they say I got everything right, it's because they just weren't listening to me. Well, that... <laughs> they were thinking about what they were gonna say. It's like when people walk out of mass and say, Hey, that was a great homily. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly um yeah this weekend what am i going to preach on well i don't know he just asked the problem for himself that's awesome um i probably going to use this image of the good shepherd this week i had kind of a fun experience because i actually got to go in to the classroom for catechesis of the good shepherd oh and I don't know if they have that at your parishes. That's like a faith formation type system, right? Yeah. For little kids. Okay. Like little kids, um, you know, maybe two years old to six years old. Uh, okay. So it's, it, it's like preschool. Two years old? Uh, well, maybe three, but they're pretty little. Um, three year, I think three years old to six years old. Uh, toddlers and kindergartners basically and uh, you know it's catechesis of the good shepherd so that kind of made me think a lot about the readings today and um, I definitely it was fun to be with those little kids because they have a whole different mindset and approach to everything and so I was thinking about you know just that experience and one of the things that happened while I was over there is you know all the kids were having a good good time good good time and and then all of a sudden you know sort of mysteriously uh one of the kids it's like I want my mommy mm. and uh you know I said well is there something I can do for you no I want my mommy so okay and, and he's he started, we were outside and he started to walk, like walk off, like far away. And it's like, his mom wasn't even, you know, there. Uh, so I'm like, where, I don't know where he's going. What is he trying to do? But, um, and then I said, Hey, come back. He says, I want my mommy. And, uh, but that all just got me thinking about how, you know, kids are very comforted by somebody who is very familiar to them and whom they trust a lot and whom they love a lot. And they, it, sometimes they're kind of in, inconsolable, you know, for anybody else. They, they just, they have to have their mommy or they have to have their daddy. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about how in a way that's kind of similar to what we're hearing about the good shepherd, you know, because, the sheep know his voice and it's only his voice that is going to uh, attract them, bring them in, uh, be what they need, right? And the reason that they have that kind of recognizing, familiar, trusting relationship, it's based on well, who they know, you know, the shepherd to be. He's, he's the one that protects them. He's the one that guides them. He's the one that uh, provides for them all those things that we hear about in Psalm 23, uh, the Good Shepherd Psalm. 
thus the foundation for that trust that the sheep has for the shepherd. It's also the foundation for the trust really that a child has for its parent. Um, so I was thinking about how, you know, the good shepherd sheep relationship is in many ways similar to a parent child relationship. And, um, and then that's really to think about, well, what does that mean for me and my relationship with Christ? You know, I, am I, do I have this relationship of trust of relationship where I need him to be close in a way that I don't need anybody else? Uh, and that, you know, um, I find my security in his presence rather than in something else. And, uh, you know, if I, so maybe there's a call here for, for me or for all of us, you know, to rekindle that childlike trusting relationship in our Lord, um, where we depend on him the way we depend on nothing else. And, and if, and if we, if we develop that, if we familiarize ourselves with the Lord that closely and, you know, ground ourselves in him, then I think it helps us to actually navigate the rest of our lives and not be duped, you know, by the voices of false shepherds or the voices of other things that would, you know, call us to put our trust in them. So those are some thoughts. Yes, Jeff. Okay. You have a question? I, I preface this question with, we, I, it's not often that you and I do a podcast other than like, feast days where I like remember doing this before, but I, this is like one of the most memorable gospels oh, yeah. that I remember doing. Yeah. On the, because early, early on. Maybe I'm podcast. just saying what I heard another priest say. No, 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 ago. not the homily. <laughs> the, the gospel itself. I talking about the gate. Yes. The gate and Dominic, oh, yeah. how he used, Dominic used to call everything a gate. And I like still think about it when it? I open my garage door that it, I open the gate, but um also like at, at, soon after that we started spending more time together and all your son wants to do is open anything that's true. at all times especially doors that you tell him not to open but i digress here's my question the shepherd i like i can i can get with the shepherd analogy that makes total sense but then jesus says amen amen i say to you i am the gate and that I, I remember us talking about Dominic in this gospel, but I don't remember that like w- he flips the script mid like, yeah, you're talking about the shepherd. You're talking about catechesis, the good shepherd yeah. talking about Psalm 23 talking shepherds. This makes sense. Like a shepherd. I hear his voice. We follow him. That's great. We should turn away from those strange voices mm-hmm. and the things that aren't that makes total sense to me. And then he's like, I am the gate. And I was like, but I thought you were the shepherd. And I know it's Jesus, so he can be both. But I need to understand that. Come on, Jesus, quit mixing your metaphors. Yes. <laughs> he's just, that's, I mean, the I totally separately, I love the way the gospel plays out because it's like he says this, and he obviously knew they were confused. And then it sounds like he gets annoyed, and they're all mumbling. He's like, amen, amen. I say to you, like, Forget the analogies. I'm the gate. And then you're yeah. like, wait a second. I don't know how you're the gate. So yeah. if I, why are you going to preach about a shepherd if he's a gate? Well, because I, I think that 
the trusting loyalty that we give to that shepherd um, is the gate. You know, it's it, it's it's by it's by finding. I mean, that the relationship that we have with him is the the key to eternal life you know it's the thing we have to pass through there's there's no other entryway to uh to heaven or to uh peace um to hope uh to to it so i guess the gate for me is that this is the only way to go right there's there's not another way to go so i do understand why jesus maybe is mixing metaphors here because and the one yes it's it's being the good shepherd for us but but unless we have that relationship with him that trusting and i, I say i use the word loyalty too because there's nothing more i was thinking about the way that kid it was like his mother was really important for him he trusted her but there's also kind of loyalty to her mm. like he didn't want anybody else to help him with his problem <laughs> yeah you thief you right. ro- you thief and robber yeah exactly he only <laughs> wanted her you know and i think it's that kind of uh relationship where he god is the one we trust and are loyal to that is going to be our the thing that's the road we have to walk or if you prefer the gate through which we must pass there's no other route that's that's what i would say okay that that helps yeah someone's cleaning right above us i don't know if you can hear it or not but that's what i can't backing a hard floor above us and that so if you see us giggling that's why it's because Somehow, every time we record the podcast, they only work in the six square feet above this room. But I'm I'm glad my dog isn't barking and whining. So hey, Lexi. Um, okay. Second question. Okay. You, you are a shepherd, Mm -hmm. right? Is that a lot of pressure when like you hear you read this stuff and you're like, ah, Jesus is a, or is it like, hey, there's a nice little. The, the process is built. Here's how you do this. You be a shepherd. I think, is it pressure? Well, I don't know. Um, it's a mirror for like an aspirational mirror. It's like, here's, here's an image that you're, you're called to and that, you know, you should try to live up to, but, you know, of course you're going to fail. And uh, the main point of our being shepherds is to point them to the good shepherd, you know, so we're all trying to do that in our way and incarnate in our way, the love of Christ. Um, but the point of it is, you know, I think we all, we all know that father is not perfect. I'm not perfect. Only, only God is perfect. So um, I guess it's pressure, but uh mostly good pressure you know i'm not under any delusions about myself um but, but i think but in many all, ways your responsibility is to shepherd us through the gate yeah which but is i think it's also jesus i i also think jesus shepherd is 
in a very special way, a priest is, is a, a, a father in the church, but really that shepherd image really, I think in some ways is for all Christians, um, that you're all, uh, everybody is called to be, to lead other people and, uh, to help take care of other people, to protect other people, uh, to guide other people, um, and to provide for other people. And those are all the things we see in the good shepherd image in a way. That's what it means to be a mature adult, you know, that we, we take on that, those roles for other people. And the priest does it in a, a special way for the church. I think parents do it in very important ways for their families, people who aren't parents though, they still have to find ways to, you know, exercise a, a kind of spiritual fatherhood or spiritual motherhood for people in their lives. Yeah. The, uh, the last line in this gospel says, I, I came so they might have life and have it more abundantly. Oh yeah. I love that line. What, but I hear it quoted quite often. And I wonder is, are there misconceptions that people use that specific line for? Like what are some, some of the common misconceptions and what does it actually mean? Well, I think it's perhaps it's there. It sometimes gets misused when, uh, if someone really has to make a hard choice, you know, and, and there's going to be sacrifice involved in their life. And sometimes this verse might get thrown in as like, ah, oh, but Christ doesn't really want me to sacrifice or, you know, experience any suffering. And so therefore, you know, that can't possibly be the path mm. uh, because he just wants me to have life, you know? Uh, and so I think we're misinterpreting life there to mean comfort or pleasure. Um, and it's really the, the real, now I also think it could be abused in a little bit different way. If we think that the life he's promising is simply about the afterlife, you know, um, where we don't, he's not really offering us anything now. It's all about delayed gratification. I, I, I think that's, that could also be a way to misunderstand Christ. Um, I think when he says, I come to bring life, you know, have it, have life and have it abundantly. He's really wants us to know that the happiest we can be in this life is to live lives of faith, hope, and charity. And, and when we have those lives of faith, hope, and charity, um, that's the most meaningful, purposeful, peaceful existence we can have in this life. It doesn't, however, that's not incompatible with sacrifice or discomfort or suffering. In fact, we can have, we can be enjoying that life in the midst of sorrow or in the midst of difficulty. And the, now there remains hope for heaven in which we, we only have uh, the, ple the pleasant parts of that. But, uh, but it, I think it is important to recognize that even in this life, he's offering us life, but it, it doesn't mean no pain or no discomfort or anything like that. Awesome. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah. Did a nice job. Thank you. Did it abundantly. Yeah.
Um, are you you ready for dumb questions? Oh yeah, always. Let's go. All right. Uh, first dumb question. I thought of this during the podcast. Sometimes I write them down ahead of time. Sometimes they just come up. Yeah. Because you were talking about the call of all Christians. Your name's Christian. Uh-huh. You ever think it's kind of weird that like Christian just became a person, just became a name at some point? Like you don't see people out there named Catholic. Or no, you don't. Just, huh? You think that's I've never, weird? I've never met a person named Jewish. Yeah. Or Buddhist or Hindu. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so wait a second. Different. Like typically, uh, like you. So you take on a new name when you're when you take vows yeah, sort, in a right? religious life. Yeah. And uh, usually that is like a saint's name. Mm-hmm. But is there a Saint Christian or is Christian like? Um, there's blessed Christian O'Connorkey, who is a 12th century Cistercian abbot. And that is yeah, who idiot. my, I do um, not know that <laughs> that's who my patron is, but, um, oh. Christian was my middle name that one and that I was baptized with. And so it's your Christian name. When I was, it was time for me to take a new name. I cheated and asked for my middle name, uh, because I, I was too lazy to change my driver's license. And so uh, I, I'm kidding. I, You're I, only kind of kidding. I'm only kind of kidding. That was definitely a fringe benefit of not changing my name. Um, I loved, I love the name Christian because it, it means follower of Christ. So it's very basic, very straightforward. Now, since I took the name, there was, um, a new saint Christian or a beatified Christian who I admire very much. And uh, he's not my patron, but I do admire him a lot. He was the prior of the um, Trappist monastery in Algeria that uh, where the guys were martyred back in the, I think 1980s. Yeah. Um, And they made a movie about it called of gods and men that many people have seen. And uh, he, he was the prior there. And the monks knew that their lives were in danger, but they stayed. And so they were kind of martyrs of stability. And um, I really admire him. And his patron was the same as my patron. The 15th century Cistercian. 12th. Nope. Dang it. I just guessed. I thought I might get it. You didn't answer my question. Do you think it's weird that at some point somebody just was like, you think it got assigned to somebody or like, I wonder how that just became how that you went from like using that as a description of a follower of Christ to somebody just being like, that's my whole person. That's me. That's my great. name. Yeah. Weird out. I have, I have to admit, I've never sat there and pondered if that's weird, but it, I guess it is kind of weird. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about it until during the pot. And I was like, Oh, that's different. Anyway. All right. Yeah. Second thing um, you we were talking before we got on here and then we referenced it a little bit. You're writing a book. You don't have to talk oh. about the book. You don't have to spoil it. I just want to know if you would consider letting Scott and I write the foreword. Yeah. Together. Yes. I would. Uh, that's great. Uh, but I, I definitely would. And when you do your book, we will do a whole episode just about your book. It'll be great. Okay. Yeah, I totally this week's homily. Ah, don't worry about it. Let's I have, to, f- talk I have to find a publisher though. So. Ah, uh, but I, I do have I, 
I, I have other books actually in process. I was going to say you've, you've written, you've written books, correct? Already. I, I wrote one book and I edited a book before, and then I have a book coming out uh, in uh, the fall that I edited, which is about rock music and theology. Um, what? What's yeah, it called? It's called Walk the Line, uh, Rock Music in the Christian Imagination. Wait. Johnny Cash and Christian and theology. Yeah. Uh, um, well, the name of the book comes from Johnny Cash's. Song. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Isn't there yeah. something called Abbey Press? Yeah, they don't. They don't publish books. Oh, okay. That seems like they just pub. They publish. Karen they notes. iron. They iron. <laughs> Uh, so it's a linen they publish <laughs> yeah. and then uh i have another book i'm doing i have two other things that i'm working Wait, that's on, really so. awesome that you made a book about rock music and theology i think that's really great oh thanks and does father peter marshall know about this because i feel like i can't imagine that's your target audience right there i feel like yeah it, we're definitely i think the the book is probably going to appeal to Gen X, like middle-aged guys a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like his audio file does. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. For awesome. sure. I was talking to my buddy. Uh, his name's Jewish. Uh, okay. <laughs> so and if you can do this in a short answer, if it's a long answer, we can talk about it another time. But he, so we were we were we were talk, talking about like the 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 priest shortage that exists in mm. most dioceses, um, and his recommendation on a solution was, well, more like if if priests could be married, that would solve all the issues. What's you're the argument against that? Here. Yeah, that's you're going real big. Yeah. <laughs> This is a special. Like, don't you white... think your name's weird? This is... <laughs> like, teach us. I thought, teach I thought us this was a white podcast. Huh? Um, well, I'm just trying to get one more listener. I want to. I want to be like we answered the question somewhere in this podcast. Yeah. So okay. So is the, the question the is like why is that not the answer, or or just you want me to respond to that? The respond question. to it. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I appreciate the desire of the guy. Or the, your friend Jewish. to alleviate the pre-shortage. Uh, so that's a good desire. Um, I think we can acknowledge that uh, it's possible to have married priests, you know, mm -hmm. um, there, there have been, um, and, they, and there are some uh, by way of exception. So it's possible. Um, I think one thing just so I'll maybe the meteor answer would be in two parts. First, part one, uh, just look at other denominations where they have married clergy and um, they don't necessarily have enough clergy. Um, so a lot of Protestant seminaries are struggling. Um, and so it isn't the case that if you just opened it up to married people, you would have more candidates. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't know that that would be true. Right. Um, and so um, maybe it is true, but we don't know that. And, and there's some reason to believe that uh, based on denomin other denominations experience that it would not solve the problem. Um, I think the other thing is, is, 
like the more meaty, you know, theological answer is just um, to say, well, while that comes with certain, you know, it could come with certain advantages, like maybe we would have more, maybe. Um, I think that the priest is a sign. He's a living sign of something and, and not just a, a functionary, you know? So he's a living sign of something in the church. And, and what he's a sign of is, well, many things, but, but he really is a sign of Christ's particular relationship with the church. That, um, so that we have a man in our midst who really is a reminder of Christ's presence and that he relates to the church the way Christ relates to the church. And in particular, Christ is a father to the church and a spouse to the church. And when one has their own children, uh, it blurs that sign. It, it doesn't, it, the man is no longer a clear, a, as clear of a sign. Or when he has a wife, he's, he's no longer as clear of a sign that, that the church is his spouse. Um, just to give you a very, very interesting example, George Washington had no children and he was the first president of the United States. And the fact that he had no children back in the 18th century was used over and over and over again in the press to talk about him being the father of our country. And that people found that providential, they found it fascinating, they found it beautiful, that somehow this man who had not been able to have children of his own was now the father of our country. And, and the, and the country embraced him as their father in a different way because he had no children of his own. And uh, I think that in the priest, we're looking for a similar kind of sign that we know Jesus is our father and we're not competing with any of Jesus' biological children. Um, you know, and, and it's a similar kind of thing where Jesus is the father to the church. We're also a priest is a father to the church. He has no competition for that. Uh, he has no privileging of any particular souls. And he is a very clear sign of Christ's paternity and espousal to the church. Nice. That wasn't too long. That was a really good answer. Yeah, good answer. Thank uh, you. Any, anything else? Uh, no. no, I don't think so. All right. I'm excited to write the forward for one of your books. Yes. Okay, we can talk about it after. after uh, we I'll do the backwards. The yeah. It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday